with Morgan streaking. She's checking the goalkeeper. The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across him. It's towards Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is Give and Go. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. Thank you so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, if you want to get all of the latest content, we just got a brand new website up and running. It looks great. Go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. And of course, if you want to listen to this podcast, you can ask Siri just to do that. You can say, Siri, play Give and Go. You can say, play my newest podcasts or play whatever episode of the show you want to. And again, for all social media related content with Girls Soccer Network, go to at Girls Soccer Network on Instagram and at Girls Soccer Net on Twitter. We also have a YouTube channel. Check us out there as well. Okay, obviously, it has been a long time since we've done one of these episodes. There has been so much going on. Last time we were on the show, we got to chat with Anson Dorrance um, at the beginning of COVID. It's been a couple months. We apologize, but obviously with the current situation, we just felt in terms of putting out content, we did not want to put out too much. We didn't want to put out anything, really, if I could be honest with you, with COVID. And then on top of that, there's the Black Lives Matter movement as well, and I want to start the show with that. I do want to let you guys know we have interviews with Morgan Weaver, a joint interview with Emily Boyd, and Zoe Goralski of the Chicago Red Stars. Of course, Morgan Weaver plays for the Portland Thorns, and we have Elizabeth Eddy, who is with Sky Blue FC. So three interviews all coming later on in the show, but first, I really wanted to touch on this because it's so critical. I don't care how repetitive it may be. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters right now other than fighting the good fight, and we need to support this movement as much as we can possibly support it. There are no more excuses. There is nowhere to run. There is nowhere to hide. We all need to do our part. We can always do more and we can always do better. Whether it is educating yourself, donating to a cause, safely going to a protest, signing petitions, calling up politicians, whatever it is you need to do, we need to continue to fight. Burnout cannot happen, okay? There cannot be a burnout. We must continue to press on because the people who we are fighting for, they don't get the luxury of having a burnout. They don't have that level of privilege. There are so many people such as myself, even though I may be a minority, I still have privilege, a lot of it. And I fully accept and understand that and I need to do as much as I can. People are hurting, people are getting hurt, man. Like, it's not okay. People are dying is not okay, and I just want to make sure to everyone listening right now, continue to do your part, please. This is only the beginning. Only the beginning. Whatever it is you can do, whatever it is you can do, little things are going to lead to big changes. We just have to accumulate them, and we cannot lose this momentum, okay? We cannot lose it. I just wanted to start the show with that. 
because it doesn't feel right for me to get up here, do this show, and not talk about that first because it's not right. We need to address this first before we get into any soccer talk, before we get into anything related to the NWSL and the Challenge Cup. So I will say once again, petition, protest, donate, educate yourself, whatever it is you can do, I will keep saying it. Continue on. We must continue to press on. Do not give up fighting. Let's go. All right, so we have, as I mentioned earlier, a couple of interviews to bring to you. We also have an NWSL Challenge Cup preview where we're going to break down each team, what their schedule is, and all that great stuff. But first, the first interview of the day, Emily Boyd and Zoe Gorowski of the Chicago Red Stars, a joint interview. They're both roommates. Again, this was a great interview. I had a great time chatting with them about what their experiences are currently with this whole situation and what role they're going to play for their team over the next month. Enjoy, guys. So, guys, how have you been holding up in this current situation? Obviously, there's a lot going on between COVID and protesting. And how have you guys been coping? We have been doing a lot better since we've been able to train um, with Mm -hmm. the team during quarantine. Mm -hmm. The weather here was really bad. So (laughs) it was really hard for us to get outside and stay motivated and you know, stay wanting to work out and play soccer every day. And we live in a pretty small apartment. So we were all all over each other and in each other's space. And I feel like when the sun started coming out here, it's like everything got so much better, which might sound so cliche, but like, <laughs> it's so real. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the, the small apartment and, and being on top of each other. Has there been any point where you guys have, have actually gotten sick of each other because you've been together for so long? I think there's days we're sick of each other, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, overall, we've actually handled this small space a lot better than many might think. <laughs> I think we're normally together 24-7, even though we had no option during quarantine. Like, we usually go to practice together, we come home, we eat at the same time, we're all on the same schedule, so it's not that much different. We just didn't have an option mm-hmm. <laughs> not to spend time with each other, but mm-hmm. I think we handled it decently. Uh, so before I would get into more soccer, um, I wanted to just shed some more light on the Black Lives Matter movement and what your guys' thoughts are. What have you been doing with your platform to help? Um, I think for me, the Black Lives Matter movement has been really enlightening and something that I felt passionate about for a while, but I never really had the opportunity to take action on it, or I never, that's my responsibility, but I never really took action about it and being vocal about it and I think that's something that's changed about how I feel I'm definitely more vocal about it on Instagram even though I'm not super vocal on Instagram in general but I think just learning to educate myself watching documentaries reading books and then trying to spread awareness through my close friends and family and having hard conversations has been my main focus throughout the start of this movement and hopefully it will I mean I'm sure it will continue for a long time Mm-hmm. And uh, Zoe, yeah, yeah Zoe, but... to, go, to go off that, mm-hmm. I feel like this is Emily, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like this movement has opened my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't know. A lot of, you know, terms that people use, like, what does Black Lives Matter mean? I think just small, so many small things I have learned during this time that I never knew, you know. We've watched so many documentaries during this time to open our eyes about police brutality and, you know, the prison system. And it's definitely been a learning moment for me. 
And because we've been doing all of this, I've been trying to educate my family at the same time. Their generation is not on social media like we are. Mm-hmm. They're not following the way that we are. You know, obviously they watch the news, but it's different. So sharing all the light that we learn with our families, kind of like Zoe said, has been like a big part for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's great. Okay, so when you guys first heard that the league was coming back, that there was going to be a tournament, what was your reaction to that? And also, how does it feel to be a part of a league where they're the first league back to action? I think we would kind of heard rumors about what was going on for a while. Like, we would have emails about, like, possibilities of things happened, and we kind of didn't believe it, honestly, (laughs) I feel like. We weren't going to believe that it was really true until we saw the announcement to the world that it was happening. And when that day finally came, I think we were really excited to be able to look towards our season. You know, we didn't know if something was going to happen. We didn't know if we were going to even have a season. And um, if not, our league could have been in grave danger, honestly. But yeah, we were super hyped. At first, we were told we were going to have to go to Utah for nine weeks. So we were not excited about that. <laughs> but our coaches and staff were able to figure out a way for us to train in neighboring states to Illinois, um, because Illinois is still closed, I think, for like group training. But yeah, no, we were really excited to get back into it. Sure. And how do you guys think the team is feeling heading into the tournament with this new format? You have new players joining the team, Kaylee Ojai, Rachel Hill. How is the whole situation surrounding the team currently? I mean, I think the whole team's just excited in general to actually play some games. We've been waiting so long for just to play a soccer game. Mm-hmm. I think that our energy is really good going into the tournament, and we've been training really well. So, I mean, integrating the new players hasn't been too much of an issue. I think they've integrated really well with our team. And, I mean, we'll just you kind of just have to go in and have your highest hopes and try your best and see what happens in this kind of scenario. We've trained a long time for this. And uh, what role do you feel that both of you will be able to play for the squad? Uh, Obviously, you guys haven't gotten as much playing time, I'm sure, as you would have liked. You've got some really great players ahead of you guys at the moment, but what role do you guys feel like you're going to be able to play during this next month, month and a half? I mean, for me, just being a backup goalkeeper, you're kind of someone to keep the energy alive on the team all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like my role is to keep everybody motivated, keep everybody focused, because I have the luxury of, you know, worrying about other people because I'm not the starter. Mm -hmm. So I can be worried about the whole team and be driving everybody. Whereas in, you know, if you're the starter, you're much more focused on yourself and your own, all your own actions and really worried about every movement. But like, we're so worried about the success of our team that we want to make sure that everybody's on track. So, keeping the team in check. <laughs> I mean, I would go with the same thing, kind of, whatever the team needs, that's the role I'm going to play. If I get minutes or not, that's what the team needs. And I think that accepting your role as a bench player, as a starter, or whatever, is the most important part of being part of a team. We're game changers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely great. This next question is just for Emily. Tell us more about Eating with Eboids, all the content you've been helping us out with and creating. Where does that inspiration come from? And just tell us more about it. So I guess my Instagram page, Eboids Food, stems from my growth of 
my diet and my growth of my health and fitness. You know, every year I try to go into the year with a new mindset and I want to share that with the people in my community, which is my Eat Boys Food community. Um, and every time I learn something new that works for me, I want to help others on their journeys as well. I know there are so many athletes out there that don't know what the heck that they should be eating. And I feel like I'm kind of on the same path that they've been on, you know, and I want to just make people's lives easier and educate them and just try and get people to be healthier. So yeah, I try and make food that's really easy for people and myself Mm -hmm. and to prove to people that like eating healthy is like really easy. And like it used to be called healthy can be easy because like, that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I guess kind of similarly, eating with e-boys is just like, you can do it. You can be healthy. It's not that hard. You just need to be a little bit more educated. And what are some of the, the socials that people can follow if they want more information? At e-boys food on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm e-boys. People call me that because my last name is Boyd. And I'm on Twitter, but, you know, Instagram is mostly where like, I put out all my content. Okay, great. So this next question is for Zoe. Uh, Zoe, how do you feel about the back line? You're a big part of that back line now when Katie Naughton's now in Houston. How prepared and confident are you guys when kickoff rolls around? I mean, I think I'm really confident in our back line. We have a lot of veteran players back there. And I think with Katie Naughton being gone, I, obviously she was such a good teammate and such a role player on our team and in our back line. And I think that we have a lot of people that can pick up the huge hole that she's leaving, kind of. And I couldn't be more confident in our backline, honestly. I We have, like, Casey Short, Sarah Gordon back there right now, a couple new rookies coming in, and they've honestly fit seamlessly in there. So I'm really excited to see how they play. Awesome. And this, this is the last question for both of you guys to answer. What is your advice to young girls out there listening, trying to play either collegiate or professional soccer or at any level? I think that everybody's heard this before, but like work hard when nobody's watching and you have to just do extra all the time, whether it be getting fitter, whether it be getting sharper, whether it be training at a higher level with guys or older girls or whatever it is. I think you always need to push yourself every single day. And diet is also a huge factor in the health of an athlete. If you want to be, a pro player you have to have your diet in check because i'm sure zoe can attest to this like from college diet to now we've all changed and evolved so much and you realize how much your body is affected by what you put in it my advice would be to people trying to play pro or college or just play at the next level of wherever you are i think would be to work on your mental game and i think that's something that me and emily have actually been talking about recently and i wish i'd started thinking about earlier is your brain plays a huge part in your sport and it's not just mental toughness it's staying calm and collected and using your brain because you've trained it so many times you just have to trust in that so I think that would be my advice just start working on that earlier because you don't realize how big of a part it plays in your sport until you need to work on it and I would highly recommend doing it yeah read the book Mind Gym by Gary Mack that's what <laughs> me and Zoe are breaking down a chapter a day, and uh, it is extremely helpful. Even at our level, we need a little help. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that was Zoe Gorowski and 
Emily Boyd of the Chicago Red Stars, two really great young up-and-coming players who have a tremendous opportunity to be a big part of what the Red Stars are doing in the future, have already contributed and will continue to contribute, especially over this next tournament time. It was great getting an opportunity to chat with them. Without further ado, we are going to break down the NWSL Challenge Cup. Can't believe it. I can't believe that the league managed to pull this together in the first place. It's a miracle that they were able to do this. The first league in America to return. We cannot stress how major that is, how important that is, that it was the NWSL who took the initiative and took the decision that we need to take this into our own hands and create something for our league to showcase what's going on. And so Utah, again, will be the site. One month, each team plays four games. All right, so what I'm going to do right now is go down from slots one through nine, how I think the seeding might shape up. But again, you have no clue because there's only four games. It's a World Cup-style format. This is going to be amazing. Each game is going to have so much pressure and importance. You cannot afford to have a slip-up. So even the teams that I have picked at the top who knows? They could lose a game that no one picked them to lose on a, on a random off day. And before you know it, seeding has just completely shuffled around. For example, like the Courage, we know they're not going to be the ninth team, right? We know they're not going to be number nine and miss out on the playoffs. That's highly unlikely. But there is a possibility that they stumble. Imagine if they were to stumble against a team like the Dash or the Pride who are on their schedule. We expect them to beat the Pride. But one loss could significantly determine seeding and tougher first-round matchups as a result. No one, I can guarantee you, wants to see the North Carolina Courage as a five-seed stuck dead in the middle of the bracket. Nobody wants that because they're just going to bust the whole thing up. So as we get into it, we start at the top. Number one, the North Carolina Courage. Start off with the Portland Thorns, which should be an incredible matchup. An incredible matchup that, again, will play a big factor in terms of seeding. The question is, whoever can get off to the better start, right, is going to, in all likelihood, take that number one seed because both teams have similar schedules. Again, after the Thorns, you're looking at the Dash, the Pride, and the Royals. To me, for the Courage, the Dash and Houston and Orlando, those are winnable games. They should win those easy. The Royals will be a tougher opponent. But who knows how things will be after the fourth game, whether the Courage will choose to rest players, show off some of their depth. We will have to see what will be clinched, if things will be needed to be clinched in terms of seeding as well. But they are the best team in the league from top to bottom because, again, Chicago and Portland both saw a shuffling around of some pieces. But the only player that the Courage lost was McCall Zerboni, the only key piece. Now, she is the heart and soul of that team, so I'm very curious to see how the team is going to respond without that heart and soul. But again, it's still like everyone else is there. Paul Riley's still there. The whole system is still in place. And on top of that, right, because of this whole COVID situation, either one of two things is going to happen. Like now they're not now they're not as tired as they were going to be as if they were coming off the W League season. So they got the time to rest. The question is, did they get too much rest? Will they be too rusty? I'm not going to lie. I'm looking around. We got the Premier League back. We got the Bundesliga. And you could tell from the first couple of games, like everyone's sloppy. No one is really cohesively playing together very well. So it's going to be very interesting how training has gone given the circumstances and how that's going to impact 
these results and how teams play together. I think, again, because the Courage have the most amount of depth, that gives them the biggest advantage. I think Ali Watt is a player to look out for. I think what she did in Australia, and I think her overall just aggressive, high-pressure, cutthroat, finishing ability type style is perfect, a perfect fit. And Leah Pruitt gets another year of experience as well. So that stable that they have, they have a stable of incredible strikers. And then on top of that, just the Dabinia, Mewis, Lynn Williams, Crystal Dunn, that quad of, of players is is so unstoppable. So again, for me, Carolina should be number one. They should run the table, in my opinion. I think they will beat the Thorns as well. So they're coming in at number one. Number two, the Chicago Red Stars. It's tough. I debated where do you put Chicago compared to Portland. I like Chicago simply because I love the Kaylee Ojai move, and I really think this is Rachel Hill's time. If you're Chicago, obviously you have to replace this, the production of Sam Kerr. And so that's why Ojai and Hill are in. The star power is definitely there. It comes down to can Ojai get back to the form that she was once in. If she can get back to that form when she was joint top scorer in the league with Lynn Williams, she's going to be a dangerous piece on that team with Yuki Nagasato getting her the service in behind. Like she's got pace for days, Kaylee Ojai, and all you need is one ball over the top and one or two touches for her to get in the right position to score. So I think if you're Ojai, it's a tremendous opportunity in a new place for you. And the same goes for Rachel Hill. High expectations have been placed on her to make another leap to get just a little bit better. It didn't necessarily happen in Orlando because she was doing so well in Australia, but this is a tremendous opportunity for her and this Red Stars team. They lose Katie Naughton, they trade her to Houston, but I think they should end up with the higher seed solely because, again, they have matches with the Pride and the Dash, and I think picking up, if they can pick up six points there, that's going to put them in the driver's seat. They don't have to play the Thorns, they don't have to play the Courage, so they have a tremendous opportunity to get as many points as they can possibly get from these four games. At number three, the Thorns, of course. This team, again, we don't know if Tobin Heath is going to play, plus they just lost Ellie Carpenter to Lyon. So definitely some new question marks for this team coming into the tournament because when the season first ended, there were plenty of question marks about offense and scoring and what the team was going to do. They absolutely wholeheartedly addressed that. Sophia Smith and Morgan Weaver come in with your first two picks. Boom. Offense is there now. And you have Haran and Sinclair. And now you have Rocky Rodriguez in the mix as well. I still like the Thorns to finish third. I still think they're in that top three with Chicago and North Carolina. We're going to have to see how they adjust and we will see how the Thorns fare without having their crowd, without having that stadium. No fans. I'm not saying that that'll have a, be a big factor because in most other NWSL games, the fans, it isn't selling out every game per se. So I wouldn't say that's going to be too big of a factor, but Portland doesn't get that added advantage of being at home is particularly when we, when they do the playoff rounds in Portland. And if they're there, they, it's such an added advantage. They won't be getting that this time. Still, though, I think they're one of the better teams. Still have a tremendous opportunity and, and are solid. Ellie Carpenter is going to be a big loss, but we will have to see whether they can replicate and come in third. I think based on the games that they have, obviously start off with the courage, but 
the pride and the spirit are two winnable games, and then the rain, I think they should be able to beat the rain in a rivalry game because of how that situation is is ebbing and flowing, and we'll get more into the rain in a little bit. At number four, I have the Royals. I think they're going to be playing a bit of a different style from what we've been used to seeing under Laura Harvey. We saw a change of head coach. Craig Harrington is going to bring, I think, a little bit more of an offensive-minded approach. Former assistant at Chicago. I think that, with the addition of Ziara King, could be the missing piece for what could finally complete an explosive offense. They might not be set up to win long term, but for a tournament like this, this could be the perfect proving ground for them, especially playing at their home stadium where they are comfortable playing in. With Kristen Press, Amy Rodriguez, Ziara King up top, and then you have Vero Boquette in the midfield with an already rock-solid defense. Now you do lose Becky Sauerbrunn, which will be a big, big loss, and They didn't really do that much to replace, so we'll see if the defense is still as good. But if they can maintain what they had previously in terms of defense and they can combine that with this hopefully new offensive approach, Royals, I think, are going to be dangerous. I think this is their time to be a top-four team because we have yet to see that from them come playoff time. I think they are going to be in that top-four and put themselves in a better position seeding-wise if they can finish fourth. Coming in at five, Sky Blue. And again, when I came up with this, Carly Lloyd was still, I think, factoring to be in part of the plans. She is out now due to a minor knee injury. I still think Sky Blue has more than enough talent. Elise LeHue deserves all the credit in the world for the job that she's done at Sky Blue FC. They went from being this young, feisty team in rebuilding mode to a contender with veteran experience mixed in. You're talking about... Adding Mallory Pugh, McCall's Boney, Midge Purse. Those are three high-quality players that, that you can add. Yes, you lose Rocky Rodriguez, who's been with the club for so long. But when you look at that, plus the draft picks coming in, plus just how this team is going to look, you'd have to think, even without Carly Lloyd, this team is going to be very, very competitive. Imani Dorsey is there as well. I think... Because they play the dash and the pride, I think this is their opportunity to get a couple wins as well. The rain could be vulnerable. They don't have to play the thorns. They don't have to play the courage. Their tough matchup is coming against the Red Stars last game of the season. That could be critical. But I like Sky Blue. I really think Elise LeHue is doing great things there. And I really think this is their time where they're going to impress And this is going to be their moment, their coming out party as a legitimate contender. So I'm excited to see what Sky Blue does. Coming in at number six, the Olympic Lyonnais Reign. Now, it's a new look franchise. I'm not a big fan of how they just took Lyon's logo and just made it a part of the reigns. I get it, like it's a joint club in that total sense. I get it, but at the same time, I kind of wish they'd kept part of what the NWSL and the old club had. This team did add a ton of depth. Sophia Huerta, Amber Brooks, Danny Weatherholt, three really, really good players, but a new coach, a new system. It's going to take time to create that chemistry. And even though they added a couple other players we're going to get into later, I just think there's so many moving parts, so many moving pieces. And Vladko is no longer there, right? Vladko 
was incredible at getting the best out of even his younger players like Bethany Balser. It'll be interesting to see if the new manager can do the same coming from PSG. And he also has had a precarious relationship with certain players. He also, I believe, had issues with Lindsay Horan when she was there at PSG. So we'll have to see how this whole situation plays out. The hire itself was difficult. Not difficult, but I think a little a little interesting and definitely piqued the interest of, of a bunch of fans. I think it's going to be tougher for them as well with no Megan Rapino, And they don't have any easy match. They don't draw the dash or the pride. You're looking at Sky Blue FC right off the bat. The Spirit, who are going to be a tough young team to beat. The Royals, who are going to be game. And then the Thorns. I think they have four tough matchups. I think as a result, they're going to be drawing at least one or two of them and end up in the middle of the road. I think they're going to finish sixth. But again, it could literally go any possible way. Because there's going to be so many teams who are tied on points. Then goal difference comes into play. Who's scoring more? So that's also going to be a big factor. And that's why the Courage should be heavily favored at the number one spot. The Rain, however, don't necessarily have that true out-and-out striker, even though they added the depth that they needed to add in the midfield area. Don't know if they're going to have it offensively. Should be interesting, though. At number seven... The Spirit, again, love this team. They've elected to build more through the draft than in the free agency market. Ashley Sanchez is a welcome addition with Mallory Pugh departing in a trade to Sky Blue. They have a ton of young talent. They could absolutely surprise. Richie Burke continues to build on something. He has this group for another year together. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they continue to develop and grow and how they've gotten better and if they've gotten better. I think you're looking at the Royals, Rain, Thorns, and the Dash. Four tough matches. Again, I think the Dash is is their most winnable game. And I think based on how things are going, based on the overall talent level, it is mostly going to rely on Rose Lavelle and Andy Sullivan. Because Ashley Hatch has been great, but they still don't have, like, where the other goal is going to come from. We still don't know for Washington. They have, they are starting to, compile they're all set a goalkeeper with Aubrey Bledsoe the defense is really starting to look like it could be getting there the midfield they don't have to worry about whatsoever it's really in attack and in defense can they shore those things up moving forward but I do think they have a chance to come in seventh place coming in at number eight the Houston Dash they did make some moves in the offseason to improve their squad Katie Naughton Megan Oyster Shake Room all top quality players but This is the same problem that I think the Spirit, Dash, and Pride are going to run into, right? Where do the goals come from? Again, it's four games, so there's a higher likelihood that players can just do great over a four-game stretch. You never know. A player could come out of nowhere, out of nowhere and surprise us all within these four games. So it's not entirely out of the question for someone in Houston to just go off. Jamia Fields, if she just goes off, Katie Stengel could go off. Christine Nairn could go off. They're fully capable on their day of performing, but we just don't know whether they can do it over a four-game stretch. Rachel Daly, we know can't do it all. She's going to be the tallies woman. Veronica Latsko also is slowly but surely getting back to full strength after, again, having a solid year in Australia. So they are in all likelihood, to me, going to be that eighth team. They do have to play the Courage and the Red Stars. Tough match against the Spirit and Sky Blue, but I think if they can win one of those matches against SBFC, 
or against the Spirit and then somehow get a draw against maybe Chicago, they're going to get that eighth and final spot, in my opinion. And I think they are firmly in that eighth spot. I don't see that changing. I think seven through nine, I think, are fairly set. I'm not entirely sure about the rain coming in at six. I just like Utah and Sky Blue a little bit more in order to just take that leap based on the moves that they have made and based on the state of their current organization. Now, I would have picked the Orlando Pride to come in last place, but in a very crazy development, the Pride are not going to be a part of the NWSL Challenge Cup. Six players and four staff members tested positive. This was a crazy turn of events. And while many would have thought it would have caused more of an uproar, the status of the entire tournament was in doubt, if I'm being totally honest with you. Yet it seems as though things are going to go along as planned, which is still a good thing. But there's got to be some concern that 10 different people on the Pride tested positive. We have to be monitoring this as closely as possible. Hopefully, we don't have more positive cases as the tournament goes on because again these players are in close proximity with each other player safety is of the utmost importance and i fully understand you know we're only a couple days away we've been waiting it feels like forever for this to return and soccer will be back soon so we're of course excited but at the same time this is a crazy turn of events and now only eight teams will be involved what happens with seeding now right it essentially is relevant all eight teams are going to be a part of it there is no one to knock out anymore so now it's just play and, and see how things shape out. So it kind of took away from a little bit of what was going to be an exciting first couple of matches between some of these teams. But we certainly hope that everyone involved with the Orlando Pride organization stays safe and will be healthy. Of course, it's a crazy update to provide at this stage so close to the tournament. On top of that, you have other players Big-time players not joining. I've already mentioned Carly Lloyd, already mentioned Megan Rapino, already mentioned Tobin Heath. Mallory Pugh will also be out, okay, due to a hip injury that, that's bothering her. So a lot of big names will be sitting out this go-around, which is a little unfortunate. But again, similar to the World Cup cycle last year, it gives an opportunity for some younger players to step up and show their worth and kind of what could be a potential showcase for them. So might not be getting the big names that we would have hoped for from like a full-strength league, but at the same time, it's, it's going to be a, a great month of soccer, and we cannot wait for it to kick off. It's time for our second interview of the show. Morgan Weaver of the Portland Thorns, rookie who was just drafted number two overall. She's actually... On the podcast for the second time, we got the chance to chat with her at the draft when GSM was on podcast row at the National Coaching Convention. I unfortunately wish I could have gotten the opportunity to be there. I was not. But again, Morgan Weaver of the Thorns, we are very, very excited to have her on for a second time. Here's the interview, guys. Enjoy. So Morgan, we were lucky enough to chat with you at the draft and a lot has happened since then. How you've been coping over the last couple of months, both mentally and physically? I mean, obviously it's hard with everything going on, but being able to stay in shape and stuff has been actually kind of easy, especially with um, a roommate, Kristen Westfall. I mean, she's been pushing me and making sure we both stay on track. I think we both kind of push each other. And mentally, honestly, it's actually been 
okay because we've had each other and so we've been able to hang out and do things on our own like go for walks every day or just do our workouts together and I mean I've also had school and so I mean that kind of kept me busy as well and so you're still technically because you left school early you're still studying to get your degree no, I actually just finished on Friday, so I am officially done with school. Wow, congratulations. That is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Great. So uh, before we get into more soccer talk, um, I just wanted to get your thoughts, your viewpoint on what's been going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, and is there anything you've been doing with your platform to help? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, obviously Black Lives Matter, and I think I think everything is so amazing right now, what people are doing and the protesting and just standing up for themselves. And I think so much needs to be said. And I mean, obviously I don't understand completely, but I want to help as much as I can. And I think with the thorns, we have done an amazing job. We have weekly talks. We help each other. I mean, we've all, our team has just donated for ourselves, like to protest because we're not allowed to go right now because of COVID and the tournament coming up. So we have to keep make sure our bubble is super safe. But I mean, trying to just put out the word that Black Lives Matter and helping support businesses. I mean, we've gone to a few restaurants and supported them. I mean, there's just so much you can do, and I just I hope like once the tournament's over, I can keep continuing to help. I mean, in Portland or in Tacoma area, I mean, because that's where I'm usually at because my home is in Tacoma and I live in Portland right now, but also in every other area, just keeping letting people know, like, you know, Black Lives Matter and it's not stopping and there should be no racism ever and it needs to stop. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you have, you've gone from just being drafted a couple months ago. Now you're part of the Thorns organization how does it feel and, and what is it like to be part of such a big franchise? I mean, I love it. I loved college and I loved everything about it. And I think Wazoo really helped me get here to this point. And I mean, with the coaching staff at Wazoo, I mean, they're very hard. They're very, you have to do it this way. We need to do it this way. And I think it just basically, I came here and I got everything. I understand what we have to do. I mean, I practice as hard as I can. I learn as hard as, as much as I can. I study film. I do it all. I, I feel very confident in what I'm able to bring. Awesome. And what would you say the atmosphere in the locker room is like and how have training sessions been different because of COVID restriction? Well, I mean, like the locker room, obviously it was hard at the beginning because we're not, we didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone. Some people didn't even know people on the team and we only had really Zoom calls or weekly calls and it wasn't really like, oh, hi, who are you? Like, let's talk. Let's, mm -hmm. but I mean, for that long of a time and then being able to go into individual training and then group training and then full team training, I feel so connected to everyone. I think everyone has such a positive vibe here. And I mean, everyone is so nice and so happy and so and so ready to play. And I think that's huge. It's just like we're one big family and we're ready to go. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the mindset towards this new format, because it's not the whole season, it's four games with seeding. What's kind of been the strategy or the mindset of the entire team going into this tournament? I mean, to play as hard as we can, obviously, but I think with I think at least for me, I know a lot of other girls is we have to take one game at a at a time. You can't worry about the next game because 
we only are guaranteed four games, so you have to take it one at a time because versus North Carolina, we only can focus on North Carolina. We cannot focus on any other game because that is the biggest game right now. And then after North Carolina, we will take it to the next team and then the next and the next and hopefully on from there. But I think that's the main focus is just one team at a time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the courage have definitely been an arch nemesis for you guys. And this first game could be huge in terms of just overall seeding. What's kind of been, what do you guys feel like you need to do in order to impose your will? Because that's what they do on other teams. What are you guys mm-hmm. going to do? I mean, I think we just all have to bring it and we all have to be on top of our game. I mean, Chris, North Carolina, they're an amazing team, but I think we are a great team as well. And I think we, it's going to be a challenge and I think it's going to be a good game. And I'm excited to play and I'm excited to get the first experience to play North Carolina in the NWSL. Mm-hmm. And since you've gone from a couple months ago till now, have your goals changed? What are your expectations and what role do you expect to play for the team going into the tournament? I mean, my expectations are just to do everything I can and never give up. And goals that I have, I mean, once I get wherever it is, starting, not starting, just being a role player in the game, cheering as loud as I can on the sideline if I'm not in, if I'm in, never stopping and just continuing to keep going. And if there's a ball that it looks like I'm, it's going out, I'm still chasing after it until the final whistle is blown and, you know, just giving everything I can no matter where I'm on, on the field or off the field. All right, so this this question is a special request I have. He's a friend of mine from Portland. He wanted to know what, like there's been a lot of dogs going around with the Portland Thorn social media account, and he wanted to know if you have a favorite dog on the team. Do you have your own? Are you a dog lover? <laughs> Do I have a favorite dog? Oh my goodness, that's a hard question. They're all so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a favorite dog, but I, I guess I kind of have a dog. Not really. My boyfriend has a dog, and I claim her as my own. Okay, so But I, I'm going to be able to get her in after the tournament. I hopefully get to keep her for a little bit. <laughs> nice, nice. He said I could have her for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so has that been precarious situation? Does he get jealous or no? No. <laughs> it's his baby. Like, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Like, if it's me or him, it's him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. so uh one final question for you uh what is your advice to any young girl listening trying to make it as a a collegiate or professional player i mean my biggest thing is never give up i mean obviously there's going to be difficult times um there's going to be rough times i mean it always happens for everyone there's going to be times where you don't want to play anymore just keep grinding and talk to the people around you. I mean, I've had so many younger kids reach out to me and I try my best to respond. And I've FaceTimed actually a few girls. This one girl was like, my sister is your biggest fan. It's her birthday. Can we FaceTime? Like, can we, can you message her or make a video for her? I was like, just here, call my phone and we can FaceTime. And so, I mean, I FaceTimed this little girl and it was her birthday. I've given advice to multiple girls about it. So I think, reaching out to people that can help. I mean, sometimes they're not going to respond, but I mean, reaching out and hoping for the best that they respond is a huge thing. And I mean, I think a lot of people will try to respond and just to never give up, I think is the biggest thing. And just to continue and following your dreams. Again, that was Morgan Weaver of the Portland Thorns, someone who expects to play a big role in the offense for this tournament. 
a relentless, just relentless player. And you can tell from the way that she just talked about not giving up. She kind of has an unconventional route into the league coming from school that isn't necessarily a powerhouse, but is an up-and-coming program in the Pac-12 out of Washington State. Definitely made a name for herself there and is on her way to having a big impact for the Thorns with just her overall mindset and attack-minded mentality that she brings to the table along with the skills. So I think it's going to be interesting to see her in year one for Portland. A little bit of world soccer news we'll get into before we get you to our final interview of the day. The FAWSL was surprisingly canceled. It's so crazy to see that when the league, the entire nation has put so much money into that league, and now all of a sudden they're canceling it when we're seeing other leagues around the world open up, including in America. I think there are definitely people who are 50-50 about it, and I think when you look at City being technically left at the top of the table, even though they likely would not have won At the end of the day, if the season continued, I don't think they would have gone on to win the league. But they were more than content to say, look, this is for player safety. We want to keep everyone safe. And that's the thing that's most important. Whereas a club like Liverpool is going to turn around and say, look, we are bottom of the table. We are going to get relegated. We are short on money. We need this for our club. And that's where you get into an interesting debate of what do we do here? And so I'm, I still am a little surprised that they did not choose to bring this league back and to finish things. But they do have a ton of fixtures left to play. It's not like it was towards necessarily the end end of the season. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, it is okay that, you know, for player safety and for just the safety of individuals that they don't do it. But it's just uh, it's, it's unfortunate that there will be no champion crowned. There will be no no trophy ceremony, right? And City will be left at the top. With no one, Sam Kerr missing out an opportunity to win a trophy stinks, but there's always next year. And I think Chelsea will be that team next year, but again, long ways away, long, long ways away. Other important news. The NWSL is in expansion talks to add a team to Los Angeles. Meg Linehan of The Athletic reported it first. The plan is to add a Los Angeles team It's not been finalized yet, but WFCLA has been established as a limited liability company, LLC. So entrepreneur Julie Ehrman is listed as the company CEO and president. And though the expansion's ownership group will involve other parties, this still looks like it's in the initial phase, the initial first stage. But again, an encouraging sign. We need a team in LA. Obviously, we got a team coming to Louisville. Sacramento could be next in line. So it will be a little bit of time, but to get these preliminary talks in the works are just critical and and very, very exciting to have a team in LA. Such a big market, big opportunity for a big fan base. It could take off. So hoping for the best that a team does, in fact, come to LA. It is time for the last interview of the show. Elizabeth Eddy of Sky Blue FC, very talented technically sound midfielder who has been fighting her way back from a couple of injuries, now looking to get back onto the field and make an impact in a big way, has played for the Western New York Flash, North Carolina Courage, and now Sky Blue FC. Here it is, guys. Enjoy. How have you been coping or trying to make sense of everything going on? Because there's so much going on in the world right now. That is a great question. I would say that at a certain point, like, 
it's like trying to be aware of what's going on. And then once you've kind of done a big scan and realizing what's going on, the gravity, what's going on. And then a lot of things that I've noticed, the more I'm learning what's going on, the more I'm noticing there's a lot more deep lessons to it that have a lot more really powerful implications that I might not fully understand. But for me, a lot of it that I've been able to cope with it is like, what can I do today? Actually, can I do to help make the world a better place? Mm-hmm. And just trying to stay focused on that versus getting overwhelmed by the problem. And one really like helpful way for me that I've been able to do that is through just like a lot of like reading my Bible, having conversations with people, trying to understand what's going on. And then at the same time, like I was saying earlier, like to each day, like, all right, God, what do you have for me? And like, what can I be doing? Like, please be clear, like what my job is to do. And then like trying to lift that out each day. Awesome. So before we get more into the soccer, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, the Black Lives Matters movement and, and what you've done with your platform to help. That's a really great question. Um, I think that it's like a really important thing that we're talking about race and how that's been a big topic in the past couple of weeks. And I think it's important that it's become a big topic because I think it's really good to identify what's going on and try to like understand the truth and the reality of all the implications of what's going on. And like with my platform, I've posted about like simply just that black lives do matter, that racism's wrong. And at the end of the day, deeper than all that, I feel more so even than racism is people just having a lot of pride in thinking they're an individual better than another person is the root of all of it. And the only way to kind of combat that is for people not to be so insecure and trying to like prove that they're better or like step on other people just because they can is to like know individually that you're enough and that how you, God made you is like beautiful and amazing and that like if you can love yourself then you can love other people better and I think the people that are continuing on with this racism thing that's very wrong are individually hurting and then they turn on to hurt people so it's like hurt people hurt people mm-hmm. and that's like a really sad reality and at the end of the day we can help combat that and get to a place where people aren't acting out of a sense of insecurity and like pride and, like, just doing a lot of hurtful things in the name of trying to do good things. Like, there's a lot of, like, just twisted stuff going on right now. So, I, I think mm-hmm. I've done as, as much as I can that I, like, like, I've tried to help out in whatever way that makes sense. And I've been really trying to understand, like, deeper what's going on and how my life make a positive impact in this. I agree wholeheartedly. we got to break this cycle. Absolutely. Now, when you first heard that there was going to be a season, I guess, what was your reaction? What was the team's reaction? To, to the news that there was going to be a tournament? And were you surprised that the NWSL was able to pull it off? To be honest, my first reaction, I was, like, super stoked. I was like, woo, let's go. Mm-hmm. And I personally, like, I love just playing soccer, and it's just very fun for me. So mm-hmm. my first thought was, wow, this is going to be so much fun. And then a lot of my teammates, I would say, I think, were, like, not focused on, like, that part so much, but more like, oh, wow, this is going to be really dangerous. There's, like, a lot of serious hurdles that come across, which, like, I, after I was initially really excited, I very much became aware of how everybody else was feeling. But for the most part, personally, like, I'm not too scared of what's going on. I'm, I feel pretty confident about how viruses are spread, how people are doing protocol. Like, everyone's doing the best they can, and at the end of the day, like, people do have to continue living their life. So, like, honestly, I was super stoked about it. I was really impressed. I was like, with the, our league's willingness and hard work to find a way to make this happen and to be able to be the first professional sports team in America or professional sports league in America to go back to having like playing games I think is like a huge testament to like the work ethic and the like creative problem solving that our NWSL has which has been really cool to be a part of and like get the opportunity to play. Now you are 
with the team that originally drafted you. You've been there, been with Sky Blue for the past year or so. How do you feel about the team right now and its chances going into the Challenge Cup? Um, I'm honestly really excited about it, and I'm feeling really confident about it. Um, we have like a, a great staff, and we've been having like a lot of just like quality trainings and getting better at little things. And yeah, it's been a bit rushed because everybody's having a bit rushed with this very weird scenario of like the year of Corona and how it's affected people's training environments. But like I would say, all things considered, like I'm super excited. First, to see like what our team can do, and I really think we have a chance to go all the way. Do you feel like you could aim for potentially a top four seed? I don't know how big of a factor seeding will play in, in this, but is, is there like any type of goal, or is it really just taking it one one game at a time? I would say like at the end of the day, it's like, it, I honestly always want to go back to process, and that's the one day at a time thing. And mm-hmm. what you do today to win the next game, win the next moment, and I think that's like a big mentality thing that our team's choosing to focus on is like one day at a time like of course people have goals but at the end of the day like that's great to have a goal but if you don't do the work day to day detail by detail you don't get anywhere so I think that's like a big part of the approach is like all right today our opponent we'll prepare for them this way awesome let's focus on that once that kind of hurdle's been cleared you go on to the next day uh, now, when you first came into the league you were seeing the field a lot uh, for the Western New York Flash not as much for North Carolina and for Sky Blue does it bother you that you haven't been able to play as much as before, and how big of a factor do injuries play in getting back to full strength? I was, it bothers, is it, I don't know if that's the right word I would say, or the word that I would attribute how I'm feeling, but I would say, honestly, it's a matter, of, a matter of, like, being prepared, and, like, I went through about six injuries in a matter of, like, two years, mm. and a lot of it was soft tissue related, so it and for me, it was a lot of, like, what do I need to make sure I'm staying healthy? Because the training environment, yes, it's difficult, but it hasn't changed. And, like, what actions can I take to make sure that I'm fully healthy and can be relied upon in the field? And I personally invested in this um, product called Whoop, which basically it's a wristband you wear all day and all night. And it tracks, like, your heart variability, your resting heart rate, and this, your sleep. And basically that's helped me just to, like, learn how to get, or like how to get better sleep and the other thing I've started to do is stretch that kept me healthy the past year and a half and like since I've gotten healthy after those two years of injuries when I got to Sky Blue I played like almost every, I think I started almost every game half of last year when I got treated and I was like stoked about that and so like I'm, I was saying getting back into form and I'm honestly feel better than I felt in like three years four years so I can't wait for this tournament I think it's going to be an opportunity to just play and be able to like use the gifts I got to me and be like, like fully use them yeah, how how big of a role do you expect to play uh, uh, with the team? Like, what is your role with the team, do you feel? I mean, at this point, there's a lot of kind of, like, I would say it's up in the air because we have some new coaching staff, and there's a lot of, I would say, like, learning goals, what's going on. But, like, as of today, it looks like I'll get, like, a, to be able to play a pretty large role, and I'm pretty excited about that. Awesome. Um, now, outside of soccer, you've also founded an app called Choice, I believe, and... Um, how how is that venture going along? And obviously, COVID I'm sure has put a damper on things. But tell us more about that. Yeah. So basically, um, when I started getting hurt in 2017, I had come off the year I was playing great, and my coach was like, "You're doing great. You got a good chance to make national which has been my dream." And I was super stoked about it. And then I got a lot of handful of injuries mm-hmm. within like two or three months, and it was pretty rough. And during that time, I remember I sat down, I prayed. I was like, "All right, God, like." 
if you want me to sew you pants, I'll do your pants for that. But what else can I be doing while I'm recovering from injury that I can build on the side that doesn't take place in soccer, but also like is something that can be very much something I partake in after soccer. And I did a ton of research and I, I studied, I did grad school at USC as well as undergrad. And I basically came up with a concept and basically it's along the lines of a group, group search engine. So instead of like going online and being like, oh, what do I want to do? Like type in like best food near me or best to be to watch instead of you doing an individual making a decision. The one thing I noticed is that people in groups really struggle to make decisions and a lot of it has to do with an ability for everybody to be accounted for efficiently. And so basically I built something that allows groups to make decisions really quickly. So instead of using Google, you use choice. And we basically built out the whole kitchen for food. Mm-hmm. And we were about to launch and start testing right when Corona happened. So now all the restaurants are closed or lots of them have been closed. So we're going to pause on the food version, and now, right now, we're, we have the work to build the choice movie version. So if, like, you and I are trying to watch a movie together, and it's like, oh, what do we want to watch? Like, you don't know, you could sit on Netflix, oftentimes you're spending 20 to 40 minutes searching. Right, yeah. And then like, oh, it's too late, I'm over it. So instead of that scenario happening, which also happens with food and a lot of other decisions, you'd open choice, so the app of choice would be choice movie app. And then I would tap the image of that, you tap what you like, and it's really quick matches, and within 90 seconds, it's like, oh, cool, we both will be happy watching one of these one to five tonight. So it really just helps, basically, my heart behind it is, like, I want to use tech as a tool, because I think tech's amazing and really powerful, but tech's also a double-edged sword, and mm-hmm. I like to keep it as a tool over sticking over our life, and by using it as a tool, it allows you to, in 90 seconds, make a decision versus spend 40 minutes on it not make a decision and then after those 90 seconds you made a decision then you can go into your real life living out whatever those making more memories with the people that you love that's really amazing. We really hope that, you know, it continues to grow and, and does because it's a great idea. I mean, you're definitely solving a problem that many people have on a daily basis. So thank you for that. Yeah, um, no, of course. It's, it's crazy though because it's like I've been through a huge journey with that and it's been about two years and raised a lot of money, used a lot of money, have a lot of people working for me and like learning kind of how to manage that. And it's been a really cool growing process. Like while well, I've been able to play pro soccer, which I honestly, all I can, all I would say is actually thankful that like, I guess I would almost say, like, the door was open for me to, like, have an interest in things outside of soccer. Not that it took away from soccer, but just being able to use my mind while also playing soccer and getting better at the sport. So it's been a really cool journey. And at the end of the day, like, like I'm learning the code right now just so that I can be more helpful for the product as it continues to grow. So it's been this really cool life journey of, like, individual growth as well as growing something that can help impact a lot of people's life. So we're good. That's awesome. And last question for you. So what is your advice to the young girls out there listening who want to be either a collegiate or professional soccer player one day? I would say that there's a, I had a couple of things for kids that want to play college or pro soccer. I'd say first, um, if you stop loving the game and loving the process of growing, like it's not worth it. But I will also say within that point is that every single thing in life, it's more about the process than it is about the destination. So like say you really want to get into Yale as a college and you're working so hard, working so hard, and then you get there. But, like, what you sometimes risk, like, wow, this place that I thought was going to give me meaning and significance doesn't. But, like, if, what you do need to realize is that the journey getting there is what helps you grow as a person. So just I would always say, like, have a goal and then make sure that you're enjoying the journey. The journey is going to be hard. It's going to be fun. It's going to be challenging. Sometimes it'll be easy. But just know that all of us is the journey and there's different phases. So, like, a lot of young girls right now probably listening are in high school or middle school and they're trying to figure out what they want. So then I would just really progress to set a goal do everything you can to make that goal, but at the same time, don't lose sight of the person you're becoming in the process. And then the second thing I'd want to encourage all the people listening is that life is literally the coolest thing is that you as a human are given the opportunity 
a choice. Every day you're going to choose what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. And I would say I really encourage you guys not to so much listen to like what everyone around you is doing. Of like, oh, you have to do one thing with the focus. You have to, have to, have to. Instead, I would say try to create as much space as you can for yourself to grow as a person. Because I really, truly believe that every single person on this earth was created beautifully, uniquely, with a lot of skills and talents that God exactly made them like. And our journey as a human is to grow into all of those, that fullness of that person. And everybody's person is different. So if you compare yourself to other people, sometimes you get lost in that and try to become like them instead of actually being who you were designed to be. So I really encourage people to, yeah, that goal that like society respects, but also give yourself the time, the chance, the space to grow into the person that you're designed to be. Because it's amazing if you take that journey, it's going to take a lot of courage and your people will be frustrated and want to do things their way. But really stick through the life that you know you're designed to be and keep giving yourself space to grow up. Once again, that was Elizabeth Eddy of Sky Blue FC and one of the major takeaways is she's always looking to do more. What more can be done? What can be done to do more? We can always do more, not only just for other people, but for ourselves. What can we do each and every day? Just taking it one day at a time and staying patient. Patience is a virtue, y'all. Patience, great things come when you remain patient. Okay, before we wrap things up, I want to go through and catch you up on all of the other signings that we may have missed since COVID has kicked in. And if there are some repeats that you might already be aware of, I apologize ahead of time. But I just wanted to be as thorough as possible, get through everything that we have missed over the last, it's been almost two months. It's been a little more than two months since we've dropped an episode. So we're excited, really, really excited to bring this whole piece to you. But let's get into some of the newest moves and shuffling around within the league. The biggest move recently coming, 20-year-old Ellie Carpenter, one of the next Australians to head to Europe. This is big in so many ways because we've talked about the NWSL W League pipeline and what that means for star players from Australia coming and what level of quality they add to the league. They're all leaving, right? Caitlin Ford is gone, Sam Kerr, Steph Catley, now Ellie Carpenter. I mean, it's not great for the league to be losing the Aussies at this stage, but at the same time, they're going to go and do what's best for their careers. But Lyon, I mean, this is a big step up for Ellie. This is like what you kind of work for, I think, as as any, whether you're any player of any age, you want to work and play for those premier clubs, anyone in the world. And I wouldn't be surprised if... As you know, after being with Canberra United and moving from there to Melbourne City, which is the premier club, then she moves to the Portland Thorns simultaneously, which is arguably the biggest club in America. Then she moves to Lyon, which is arguably the biggest club in Europe. So don't be surprised if even after she's done with Lyon, she maybe goes to England and tries a hand there with one of the big three or four clubs. But her career is so bright, 20 years old, a big, big loss at the same time for for Portland and I don't know how you necessarily replace her does Megan Klingenberg have to step up even more how is that back line going to look yes you have a dizzle but this can be a big big shoe to fill because Carpenter provides so much Becky Sauerbrunn is there now but again how is Becky Sauerbrunn and how are they going to do is she at 100% full strength? Can she consistently bring it? Can the defense bring it? Will they all be on the same page? Okay. So we have Klingenberg, Catherine Reynolds, Emily Menges, and maybe Gabby Seiler. So you're looking at a decent 
group there, but is it enough, right? That's going to be a big question. So Ellie Carpenter leaves for Lyon. The Rain sign Alana Cook. Alana Cook, you might remember, was a defender at Stanford, did not choose to enter the NWSL draft, signed with PSG instead, and is now going to be on loan with the Rain. This is a good deal to bring her to America for this tournament. They could bolster that back line, and they could definitely use the help. She did earn a cap with the United States women's national team, made eight appearances in the league, five Champions League matches over two years, so didn't get as much playing time. I'm sure she would have liked, but much needed. Much needed at the back. Get a little more depth, a little more stability. Sky Blue FC signed Amanda McGlynn, arguably the best keeper in this draft class out of Virginia Tech. It'll be nice to have another keeper, another second or third keeper behind Kayleen Sheridan, who is one of the best in the game. So I think having Amanda McGlynn as a solid backup or third string keeper is great because she was one of the best in the class. I think this is a good move for Sky Blue FC. Again, Elise LeHue making all the right moves. The Spirit, go ahead and sign Megan McCool, a striker who was at Virginia, scored 15 goals her senior year at Virginia in the ACC in one of the tougher conferences. And this is just a move where you could just tell the Spirit are just trying to add whoever they can. Whoever they can to get more depth in here and whoever they can to get more goals up top. And so we'll see what kind of role Megan McCool will have with the Spirit. The Houston Dash signed Brianna Visali, who was a star at Princeton. And I think her going abroad to West Ham played a big factor. And it's going to be a big deal for her now coming from England. How she adapts to this style of play. Will it be more physical? Will there be more athleticism involved? That's kind of one of the main differences between the American and the British game. So we will see how Brianna Vasali adjusts. She should be a good, nice piece to fit in this dash midfield that is very young. But we'll see how many opportunities she gets. The rain maintained, again, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to get into some of these signings. Yuka Momiki is an up-and-coming starlet from Japan, just 24 years old. And interestingly enough, she's from New York, has dual citizenship, so they do not need to use one of those international roster spots on her. Bringing a different type of passing and attacking flair that the rain have definitely lacked. And will Jess Fishlock be involved that's something that's said to be seen. So Yuka Momiki could be featured into this side. Not sure how exactly she will fit, depending on how um, Fareed Benstidi wants to implement her in the offense. But we'll have to see. It, it's still a good signing for them. Uh, it's just a bunch of moving parts and puzzle pieces. The Pride making one signing. Jade Moore from England made more than 50 caps for England, very impressive coming from Reading, a bit on the older side, not sure whether she's there for scoring, whether she's there for defensive depth. They're going to need all of the depth they can get. So whether she's going to play in that holding midfielder role or not, it's a big move for Orlando to get something. They need something to help their team out but badly. So no Danny Weatherholt gone. Hopefully Jade Moore fills that role nicely. This might have been my favorite signing of this whole period. Shirley Cruz, I think, really impressed during CONCACAF qualification. And to see the rain sign the Costa Rican international is a big deal. Again, she's 34, has spent most of her career in France. So there is a familiarity 
with Farid Benstidi, who has managed her before. So again, whether it was at Lyon or PSG, Shirley Cruz has proven she can do it at the highest level. And I think she could play a role in potentially attacking midfielders somewhere in that number nine, number 10 role, depending upon, again, no Megan Rapino. So you have Ali Long in there. Will you have Jess Fishlock? You have Danny Weatherholt, uh, Sofia Huerta. There is depth there now for Vincentini to work with, a stable of midfielders to work with. And lastly, I, I like this move. The Royals acquiring French midfielder Aminata Diallo from PSG on loan for the rest of the season. This is going to get a draft pick for the Houston Dash, who had the rights to her and um, hasn't been playing a lot for PSG recently, Diallo, but she is a really good player who could make a big difference and help. Again, depth is the key word here. Can you get the depth necessary to compete? And so we're going to see exactly how that plays out. All right, that is it for episode 34 of Give and Go. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. We are eternally grateful for all the support. We are happy to bring this to you with all the interviews that we've got in place. We hope you enjoyed this episode, guys. And again, continue to fight. Keep fighting the good fight. Again, for all the latest information, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. we got a new site there. Again, Girls Soccer Network on Instagram, Girls Soccer Net on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel as well. And again, if you want to get this podcast, check us out on Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, any major avenue to get a podcast, you're going to get it there. Red Circle as well is where we're hosting it. So again, all of those places are where you can go to check out this episode. Thank you guys again for tuning in. We will hopefully see you guys soon with more content in a couple weeks. Enjoy the tournament. It's time, baby. Again, this is your host, Rotas Vodera, signing off. Thanks, guys.